Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from the Sexy Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Oh, you know, I'm just hanging in there. Yeah? Yeah. It's been inordinately warm lately for the wintertime. It has been crazy warm. You know, maybe there is something to that whole climate change thing. It is kind of crazy because we're in the dead of winter right now. It's funny that you brought this up because I was reading a WikiHow guide. Yeah. And it was on how to do a successful podcast. And the number one tip was to open with the weather. (laughs) I think we need all the tips we can get. Yeah. (laughs) But it does bring me back, though, because when it is, like, cold and snowy, it brings me back to when we were kids and we would have a snow day from school. Oh, oh, hell yeah. I mean, when you're a kid, the snow is literally the best thing that could happen. Oh, my God. It's fucking snowing. (laughs) Especially when you you would have, like, multiple days off and then you just get to play in the snow every day. Oh, it it still looks bad out there, Ma. Put on the radio. There was like times that you actually felt like this may be it. It may be the salvation because if it just continues to snow every day for like the rest of your life, you're never going to have to go back to school. Right. You're going you're gonna to be homeschooled. <laughs> you're going to be homeschooled and caved in in like 19 feet of snow, just eating soup all the time. And your mom's taking care of you. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like your days are spent toiling away, having snowball fights. And then you come in and have some Ritz crackers and cocoa. <laughs> Another tough day out in the snow, eh? (laughs) Those were the good times. Mm -hmm. But it actually brought us to the conclusion that we should do an entire show dedicated to snowy things. Snowy things. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Not necessarily snow itself, but things that sort of remind us of wintertime and snow and cold weather. Basically non-Christmas winter things. Exactly. Yeah. And I think this is a great moment to actually start our show. <laughs> uh, probably. Who's going to start the show? Uh, I, I don't remember who did last time, but I'll go. I'll be that guy. All right. So here's my first snowy memory. Number one. Look, they're in the snow. Cobra Troops. Get the snowcat and get the Jaws aboard. The G.I. Joe snowcat holds 10 Joes, and it's got a missile rack and torpedo skis. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe Snowcat, other Joe and Cobra figures and equipment sold separately from Hasbro. My first memory is about the Snowcat and Frostbite from G.I. Joe. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, and this story dates back to 1985. Snowjob was the first G.I. Joe Arctic Trooper, and he was like the only one for a while, and he was all bundled up. Yeah, but then after a while, they realized it'd be totally unfair to have just one guy dedicated to everything snowy. Exactly. And like snow job wasn't enough to make me compelled enough to go out into the snow to have like a solo adventure, you know, because none of the other guys were equipped for snow. So finally, Frostbite came along, but he was packaged exclusively in the Snowcat vehicle. Oh, that's how they got you. You want this cool figure? You're going to have to spend (laughs) $14.99. It was like 10 bucks, which, of course, back then probably seemed like more but looking back, it was a great deal. Right, and it was by so, today's standards, you can get like half an action figure for 10 bucks. 
Yeah, and it was like a double whammy because it was so easy to convince your parents. Be like, look, I can get the figure and the vehicle. <laughs> oh, that's great, Sonny. <laughs> so snowcats were actual vehicles that were made to ride through snow. And one famous example is in The Shining. And that's oh one, my god, yeah, yeah scene at the end when uh Nicholson is through the maze and Shelly Duvall has to get on the snowcat, right? So the G.I. Joe version featured a half track and heat seeking missiles actually, enough missiles to annihilate like an entire town. But the strange part of it is that they had these <laughs> they had these ski mounted missiles, so in case the missiles felt like going skiing, <laughs> they could just really the canopy had a giant windshield wiper. It was. I love the snowcat. Oh, wait so. a minute. Can we just stay on that those missiles for a second? So you're saying the missiles had like their own personal skis? Yes, they had personal skis oh that they God. were on. I'm going to talk about this for like the next 40 minutes, so we have a lot more to to cover here. There's a shock. Yeah. <laughs> Jay's opening story going a little long. <laughs> So this thing, it held 10 action figures, right? It was so cool when you saw the action figures hang on to the outside of the vehicle like they were garbage men. Oh, yeah, totally. But at the same time, <laughs> it was kind of a cheap way to say that the vehicle could really hold 10 figures. Right. It can right. hold 10 figures if you just stick a few like on the tire with some scotch tape. This is the weird thing. In the commercial for it, there was two guys that were placed onto this thing that did not belong. So they had shipwreck, right? And the he had fucking a, sailor? He had a t-shirt on and a parrot on his shoulder. And then they had um, Quick Kick, who was like a ninja guy. Quick Kick has no shirt on, right? Oh, Jesus <laughs> like, Christ. It's, there's snow everywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's below zero. These guys are not belonging in this, you know? They'll so, freeze for freedom. <laughs> So, <laughs> the memory that I was going to bring up is that there was a big snowstorm we had. The next day, it was real gloomy, and we had about 10 inches of snow, and I went outside. I really wanted to give my snow cat a whirl yeah. in its true element. You had been Frost. waiting for this moment for months. Finally, the snow had fallen. Right. So I got snow job and frostbite, got all bundled up, headed out to the side of the house, and I started like packing up a few big mounds of snow and I made like a path and I'm running the vehicle through all of it. And I was just having a great time. It was so much fun. It sounds fun. Yeah. After I couldn't feel my feet and hands anymore, like I knew it was probably time for me to go inside. So I left the snow cat and the figures on the side of the house behind the fence. So it was technically still like in my yard. Yeah. Then I headed inside and I told my mom I was going to leave it outside in case I wanted to go back out later. And I wound up not going back outside. And then the next day, I went out to grab it. Right. It wasn't like me to be that frivolous with my toys to, like, leave something outside. No, this is definitely not something you would normally do. But the idea that they were Arctic troopers in an Arctic mobile unit made me brush off my action figure OCD. Right. And say, that, like, oh, they can handle this. This is right. what well, they plus, do. Plus, like, you knew you didn't have the, the adequate display in your bedroom for a snow vehicle. <laughs> But yeah, but like I felt like they were equipped for this. Like those yeah. like they were as if they were real. Like they, they got fucking this. missiles on jet skis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could handle the below zero temperatures. So yeah. um so I headed out the following day, the snow started to like dissipate a little bit mm -hmm. and I didn't see it. It wasn't there. Good camouflage. Yeah, so I'm like moving the snow around, I'm looking for it. I'm like, I swore maybe it was just buried under the snow. And I kept waiting every couple of days the snow would dissipate more. 
And I kept going outside and it wasn't there. After a while, I realized, I'm like, okay, this thing is gone. It's completely gone. I told my parents and they had no idea what I was talking about because I had a lot of toys. And even though they bought it for me, they had no idea what the snow cat was. <laughs> well, you know? Plus, like in their defense, your conversation probably started with, hey, mom, hey, dad, I left my frostbite and snow cap vehicle out in the snow three weeks ago. Yeah. And I can't find it. Can you help me get to the bottom of this? And it's like Sunday morning. <laughs> that's exactly what happened yeah even your dad has his limits <laughs> my first thought was maybe a neighborhood kid saw it and hopped my chain link fence and grabbed it but oh. like i felt like that was a stretch because they would have had to run up a hill and then they would have left footprints you know yeah yeah it, it would have yeah. been traceable let's face it this wasn't like snake eyes this wasn't yeah. storm shadow this was fucking <laughs> this was like the c team yeah, I keep thinking, like, what could have happened to it? So then it, it starts racing through my mind. I'm like, you know, maybe it was like a meter reader or my even my dad. Maybe somebody stepped on it when they were walking by and then they didn't have the heart to tell me they stepped on the vehicle. So they threw it away. Oh, you know, God. I'm like, yeah, making all kinds of like assumptions on what happened. So <laughs> I, till this day, it's a mystery. Wait, but so you still never found, not, nope. never got to the bottom of this? It vanished. And there was really, there was no trace of it. It was bizarre. My, my guess is that somebody in your family, for whatever reason, whether to spite you or because they just thought it was appropriate, <laughs> threw it away. And then realizing how upset you would be after you started complaining about the missing vehicle, just didn't fess up. Or they just hated the snowcat so much. Oh, him <laughs> and this stupid toy. <laughs> Screw the snowcat. Oh, those missiles. These missiles don't make sense. <laughs> Why do they have their own skis? They can't ski. <laughs> Winning battles in the snow for G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Battling the Cobra Force. Number two. Wampa! Wampa! New Tauntaun, Wampa, and action figures each sold separately. Han Solo, help! Oh, no. It's got Luke. Wampa! Watch it, Tauntaun. Gotcha. New Tauntaun comes with an open belly rescue feature. You'll be okay, Luke, as soon as I chase away that thing. Wampa! Wampa! New Tauntaun and Hoth Wampa and other action figures each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection. Let's talk about the old Star Wars Wampa toy. Mm. You remember that guy, right? I love the Wampa. Yeah, so for those who aren't as into Star Wars as me or Jay, the Wampa was that big snow beast that almost ate Luke in The Empire Strikes Back. He was very ferocious and scary. Picture like an all-white Bigfoot mixed with a little bit of mountain goat. That was the Wampa. <laughs> yes. So since every Star Wars character became an action figure, it was only natural that the Wampa got one too. Mm -hmm. But his was like a bigger figure that was sold in a box and it towered over the regular ones. He was very large and uh, imposing with these giant hands. Yeah, and claws. maybe maybe a little slender and maybe his face could have been a little bit less surprised, but <laughs> it was a good figure. And as cool as the toy was, the real reason I want to mention it is because of its hilariously awesome TV commercial. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> this was back when toy commercials usually just had like a couple of kids in their backyard playing with figures. Yeah. So the plots of these commercials wouldn't really make much sense because you just had a couple of five-year-olds playing around. Mm -hmm. In this case, <laughs> you had a kid playing the Wampa and uh -huh. another kid with all like the good guy figures. And the kid with the Wampa just spent the entire 30 seconds screeching the word Wampa. Wampa! <laughs> Wampa! 
Now, is this the same commercial that has the Tauntaun in it, or is this a completely different one? Yes, it's the same one with the Tauntaun, and that's an important point to make because the Tauntaun had that split open belly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so like you could actually like stick Han Solo or Luke in there to warm yeah. them up. So between the kids saying wah, 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 and the other kid shoving his action figures into a dead fucking alien horse, this is like the best commercial of all time. Oh, God. I And I haven't seen this commercial. I don't even know if I've ever seen oh, it. Oh, God, please. Uh, I, like, I, I know it's early in the show, but you got to look this shit up. Oh, I'm, gonna look, I'm looking up right now. Yeah. Just put in Wampa commercial. I got it. All right. All right, here it is. Wampa! Easy, Tauntaun. <laughs> what is it? Wampa! 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 It's crazy because they're playing like in the sand. It's not even in the snow. Well, I mean, you know. Wampa! You'll be okay, Luke. Just hide in the Tauntaun stomach. It's okay. Oh my god. Now, could you imagine like being a four-year-old at that time and you've never seen any of the Star Wars movies, you don't know anything about them, and this commercial comes on where you have the kid screaming and the, the dead fucking alien horse. Wampa! <laughs> Number three. In the shadows of Mount Everest, a train awaits. But be warned, those attempting to reach the summit must face him. Chilling new ride. My next entry is all about Expedition Everest. Oh. This is a ride in Walt Disney World in Florida. Yes. It deals with uh, Mount Everest and the Yeti, which is basically like the abominable snowman. Right. And it's supposedly the most expensive roller coaster in the world. Or at least it was at that point. I was in Disney World when the ride was having its grand opening, and I woke up super early I waited with the crowd and they were like, everybody was super excited. They had this kind of like red caution tape up. It was insane because when they let it down, people were like sprinting to get online. You oh, know? yeah, totally. With that ride, it's I went to Disney in 2006. This is, you know, the ride was established by then. It was the only ride in all of Disney and all of the parks that we couldn't get on because the line yeah. was just that long. Mm hmm. That's where my track experience kicked in because I literally I've sprinted with the rest of them, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was very excited, and the idea of the ride is that you're going through like the caves, and you hear the Yeti roaring through the cave, and Ooh. at one point, yeah, you see the shadow of him tearing up the track, and oh. there's a huge drop, and then you actually go backwards a little bit, and then you see a 25 foot Yeti come down and, and grab for you. Oh, and you saw the Yeti. Yeah, so that Yeti was the largest animatronic figure they ever built. But like what you said, what's significant about what my story here is that I was able to ride the ride when it first opened, and that is when the Yeti was fully operational. Fully operational. <laughs> so it's, it's like, <laughs> like very early. <laughs> so very early on, the animatronic actually came out and literally launched at like to grab you out. Right. Of it was the... a, it was a big. I mean, that's how it was marketed. It was the whole point of going on the ride was for that moment. Yeah, maybe like a few months into it, that aspect of the ride malfunctioned and it was like too expensive to ever be repaired, supposedly. Yeah. And I wrote it afterwards and it was not the same because no. all they did 
they shot like strobe lights onto it to try to make it look like it was moving, but it it didn't move at all. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is, like, they tried to act like that Yeti was never the biggest part of the ride, but meanwhile, like, if you look at the early promos, yeah, it's like, oh, it's coming, it's yeah. a coming, it's a coming. <laughs> but I could tell you that ride, it was one of the most scary rides of any Disney ride ever. If I'm not mistaken, it was in the Animal Kingdom. Yes, which was like. Is. That one is the one that you could skip. It depends on how crazy about animals you are. Well, I, I mean, love... I, I love the park, but it, it's just like if I'm going to Disney, I, like I wouldn't go to Florida for Animal Kingdom. No, and if there's one that you could check off your list, it probably would be that, especially if you go during when it's really hot out because it, it kind of stinks sometimes because yeah. of the animal. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the people. But, yeah. And <laughs> if, I, if I recall correctly, like they stick – that roller coaster so deep in animal kingdom that you have to walk six miles before you're even up to the line it's so true because like when you come out of there you forget where you're at yeah you know? <laughs> and it's like yeah you're just coming out of the ride and you realize that there's nothing else to do in animal kingdom but it's going to take you two and a half hours to get out of it <laughs> uh it's true I consider myself lucky to have uh, almost been reached at from a Yeti. And it's been years. They still haven't fixed it. Really? It's funny that they say it's too expensive. Because how could that be? Like, how like, so uh, much, how much could it part. be to fix an animatronic Yeti? <laughs> I just don't understand the money that they sink into things. And the money they make back from Guardians of the Galaxy right, like and Disney, Star Wars. Disney <laughs> doesn't have enough money to fix a, a, a fucking action Yeti? But when you really think about it, though, a 25-foot abominable snowman that's the best ever yeah. you know oh man <laughs> when they close down that park we have to go there for the auction do you think we could fit that on top of your car <laughs> we could at least take the head and one of the arms <laughs> number four hey joey watch this You'll only add more weight. Snow job. job! Find something that'll reach. This branch ought to work. Remember, frozen ponds and rivers may not be totally frozen. <laughs> we could be skating on thin ice. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! My family had a swimming pool when I was a kid, and every winter, I'd become obsessed with the idea that all of that gross green water was frozen enough for me to stand on. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, you got a pool, I, right? I had same, the same exact thing. Yeah, so like everyone <laughs> in my family told me in no uncertain terms, never go on top of the pool ice. Never. Never. But I was determined. I would go outside and I would push down on it with all of my might, and I'd be yeah. convinced that that motherfucker is going to hold me. Oh, man. And I'd go inside and I'd be like, cleaning my case, and my mother, it was hard to make her crazy mad, but the... <laughs> idea that i was going to do this when no one was home she would threaten to disown me if i stepped foot on that frozen pool <laughs> you were a daredevil huh you know we had a pond nearby and like at that point the pond was frozen so you could walk straight across it mm -hmm. so i'm like if the whole pond could freeze how could this swimming pool not be frozen <laughs> oh man so one day my parents are out of town and my brothers and sisters were watching me and this was my chance i go outside with a couple action figures and i'm pretending like I'm just there to kind of like pose them on the ice and, mm -hmm. you know, have a little winter battle like you have with your G.I. Joes. Yeah. Then I just conveniently smack one to the center of the pool. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, oh, I can't, I can't reach it. I can't. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to have to go on the ice. 
So I climb up the little ladder and I ready myself and I put one of my knees right onto the ice. Oh. Instantly. Oh I am under the fucking water instantly. Oh, fuck. It wasn't like it started to give. It was as if there was no ice ever there. Oh, my God. It's dead of winter. That water is freezing. But oh. it's also your leftover summer pool water, so it's completely disgustingly dirty. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, I mean, I got out of the pool easily enough because we had the ladder. But when I went inside, my brothers and sisters wanted to fucking kill me. So they, like, they were they were responsible. You, you actually fell through like you ripped open the cover and all that. Well, no, because no, we're no <laughs> cover. Look, you upper middle classmen, you and your covers. Here, Wait, oh, here, so here was... in the dregs, all we did was just try to let the pool freeze over and then deal with it the next summer. Wait, you didn't cover your pool? No! What? That's why it was so disgusting. No, this is how it went. Like, literally at the end of every summer, I'd be like, okay, pool season's over. Then, instead of doing anything else, we would just leave the pool. And then, it, whatever was going to happen was going to happen for the next several seasons. So, the pool froze So, it over. would get all the... In the spring, it would be filled with algae. In the fall, everything would die and turn brown. And then in the winter, you had this brown, frozen, dead plant life oh all frozen under ice. <laughs> And this is what I fell into. After being friends with you for a few years and hearing all these stories, that sounds like a little Matt story. So it's like a quintessential young Matt story. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, there goes my action figure. I have to talk. I have to walk oh, on the ice yeah. Yeah. What am I? What am I to do? It's in the middle of a pool. <laughs> and it was one of the Earth Corpse figures from Inhumanoids, one of the like the human figures. And yeah. I didn't see him again until we did the pool the next summer. And when that thing came out, I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't even want that thing. It was it looked like Swamp Thing. I wasn't scared of that stuff, but I hated the thought of falling in through ice into cold Not, water. It wasn't fun. But the thing was, I was 100 percent sure in my brain that that was never going to crack. I'm like, there's oh just no God. way if I could just show them that it could hold me. I'll be skating on this motherfucker in no time. I just got to get through this fucking test. <laughs> the only thing that comes to my mind is the line from the 89 Batman, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Number five. He was with the Interior Ministry. Guys, I've got a Russian Green Beret. This guy cannot come back to tell this story. I hear you. Oh, Paulie. Oh? Oh, you there? You're not gonna believe this. He killed 16 Czechoslovakians. Guy was an interior decorator. His house looked like shit. This next winter memory comes from May of 2001. Mm -hmm. Very non-wintery month. And it's an episode of The Sopranos. And I know you dig The Sopranos, so oh, this it's is one good. of my favorite shows, if not the. It's certainly my favorite drama. Oh, absolutely, and it's a divisive show because a lot of people they don't really dig it. But anyway, anything yeah, they, I say, it's because they didn't grow up surrounded by these these goombas. Yeah, exactly. I'm allowed to say that. I'm allowed. Me, no, it's yeah, totally like we watched uh, the show, and it feels like this is how life is. <laughs> yeah. So anything I say about this episode, I feel won't do it any justice. It's called The Pine Barrens, and uh, one of the most famous episodes of the show. Yeah, and it's directed by Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, of all people. And yeah, and coincidentally, the guy who wrote it, his name is Terrence Winter. Terrence Winter. It's the secret word. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so I just remember when this episode first aired and it just got everybody talking because it's such an offbeat kind of dark comedy episode. Right. It's, it's not... like not it's almost like a like backdoor pilot or something. Yeah, it's, 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 it's it so self-contained. So it takes place in the Pine Barrens in the winter. Just so everyone knows, Pine Barrens are the protected forest in South Jersey. And right. the, the supposed home of the Jersey Devil. And this episode has nothing to do with the Jersey Devil. But, but the whole point, though, is that like these are kind of abandoned spooky woods. In a weird way. It's almost like the Blair Witch episode of, yes. of, of Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite character, Silvio, he's sick with the flu. So uh, Paulie Walnuts and Christopher, they're tasked to go and take care of some of his collections, you yep. know, to get to get money. Right. The, long story short, they kill a Russian mob guy and uh, they think they kill him <laughs> at least. Yeah. And they, he winds up still being alive. But, you know, they drive him out to dump him in the <laughs> Pine Barrens where no one can see them bury a body. Exactly. So, they, but their idea is like, let's drive him out to the Pine Barrens and we'll bury him. We'll hit up Atlantic City. We'll we'll get some Roy Rogers. Yeah, and I we'll... love it. They're having that conversation at the gas station with a dead body in the car, and they're like, you know, we'll just we'll we'll take care of this and we'll go to Atlantic City get some steaks. <laughs> Yeah, it does sound like if we had to dispose of a body, like you'd be like, let's go to AC. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, once, once you're down to like exit 80, you're going to fucking at least go to 39, you know? Yeah. So they figure out he's still alive and they get into a situation where they, they try to make the Russian mob guy, you know, dig his own grave. Right. And this guy hits them with a shovel and he runs away and they start chasing him. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, it's like dead of winter, there's snow, they're in the spooky forest. Yeah, and they basically lose track of this guy, even though they think they might have shot him. They have no idea if he's alive or not. Right, right. They come to find out that this guy was like a, um, like an operative, like a Russian special forces guy who, like, he's totally dangerous. Yep. So now it's almost like they don't realize it, but they might become the hunted. Right, right. It's the story of these two complete buffoons. Paulie loses his shoes, and they convince each other they're dying of hypothermia. Yeah, because like, even though they've only ran ten feet, they can't find the car. So it is like yeah, the they, Blair Witch. It's like it's the same log. They lose their van. Yeah. <laughs> And then they start conspiring to kill each other, and they're totally delirious. But the most memorable scene for me, and like everybody I ever talked to about it, is when they find another abandoned car or van, and they're yep. inside. And they, <laughs> they, in the glove compartment, they find ketchup and mustard packets. Yes. And they start eating them because they were so hungry. I'm so glad you brought this up, because if you didn't, I was gonna. That is yeah. the scene. Because when you get to that point in the show, it's like, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, but also, like, who among us hasn't ever been so hungry and so without food that we didn't look at a little packet of Taco Bell sauce with longing eyes? Yes. Like, I've been there. Like, I've been like, oh, just, like, sucking the fucking Taco Bell sauce out of the packet and being so sated. It's like that old Looney Tunes when they're they're seeing mirages and, like, they, they're picturing each other as hot dogs, you yeah. know? It, it's ridiculous. I think that was the episode that made Polly such a popular character. Yes. Because he was always quirky before then, but this is the one that kind of, like, established that he's going to be the weirdest motherfucker for the rest of the show. <laughs> yes. It, like, Chris, like, you had Tic Tacs all along? He's like, you selfish prick, I'm dying here. He's yeah. like, then fuck, die already. <laughs> if I remember the story right, I don't think they knew it was going to be that snowy when they shot this episode. They just sort of lucked into it. Yeah, I was reading about that. You're right, because um, I think it actually just snowed like the day before. And yeah, totally made that perfect for the for the scenery in the background. Oh, man. And to this day, like, you know, we're driving down the Jersey Shore. You'll pass the Pine Barrens exit. Mm -hmm. yeah. And every time you're there, you just think, oh, man, what's going on in the woods? Like, who's, <laughs> yeah. who's burying who? 
Yes. You have no idea what's going on in there. Nobody wants to know. <laughs> right. And, you know, you, you figure that there must be some, like, rumor or greener truth to this fictional story. So it's like, wow, this is kind of weird fucking crazy mob shit really did happen here. <laughs> yes. I lost my shoe. Number six. Hi, I'm Freezy. I'm we like the snow, but we love our new Freezy Freakies gloves. Yup, Freezy Freakies. There are lots of fun designs to choose from, and they come out in the cold like magic. So inside where it's warm, the pictures disappear, and outside in the cold, they come back. Let's see that again. Freezy Freakies. So Jay, I was not a fashionable child. It was not until junior high school that I started picking out my own clothes. And even <laughs> then, I'm not even kidding. Like, before then, it was just whatever mom got at Bradley's. <laughs> and even in junior high, it would just be like hypercolor shirts and knockoff bojos. <laughs> so, like, like they say, the clothes make the man. In my case, it was like the clothes made the boy very, very unpopular. <laughs> but before then, well, it was. No, but if you had hypercolor shirts, that was popular. You know what? Wearing a hypercolor shirt was popular <laughs> if you were already popular. If you weren't popular, it was an excuse for popular kids with the flu to cough on you. <laughs> like, oh, he's got a hypercolor shirt. <coughs> and, then, you know, and they were totally goofing on you, but you had to play along. I used to wear hypercolor shirts, and then I realized I couldn't wear them anymore because I used to sweat a lot. And then you oh, would yeah, see. Yeah, it was sort of like, it was like the old story about them seeing the piss in the pool with the special glasses. Yes. Sorry, you can continue. <laughs> yeah. As a young kid, there was only one time they put any stock into fashion. Mm -hmm. They were the Freezy Freakies Winter Gloves by Swanee. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you had these, right, too? Oh, totally. I was obsessed with them. Yeah, so these were like the same big, puffy winter gloves that everybody wore. But what mm -hmm. set them apart was that they had these cool images that came alive in the cold. Yeah. So, like, inside, in the warm room, your glove might have the outline of a robot. But when you got outside, it would, like, just burst with color. Yeah, it was almost like the picture magically appeared right you know? all yeah. because of the the magic winter weather mm -hmm. and they came in all sorts of styles there was one with fighter jets another one with unicorns and then there mm -hmm. was that random one that just said i love snow that's the one that i had of course <laughs> well I, you know what i was gonna say if you had that then i know some distant aunt who didn't really know you got you it for christmas <laughs> yes. it's the only person who the only people who ended up with the i love snow gloves got them from people who didn't know them <laughs> But like all my friends had the cool robot ones. And I love all... snow. How the fuck you didn't pick that out, did you? No, but here was the thing. I love them so much. I didn't know which one you had, but like I love them so much, and my sister did too. But we could never find the cool ones. They always were sold out. Okay. And so somebody got us the I Love Snow ones. And I think they were actually for my sister, but I just took them and made them my own. Gotcha. And yeah, I eventually got one of the robot ones, but that was like much later. Oh, and the robot one was the shit. It was just like, because it was basically like a Transformers glove. Yeah. And But they didn't say Transformers, but it totally looked like an totally. on-brand Transformer. Yeah, it was like almost like an Optimus Prime on one of them. There's, right, right. I had the alt, not that, not that one, but I had a different robot one. But they were official. Yeah. So I used to feel so cool with those things on, and on a snow day, I'd run outside to find the other kids, and mm -hmm. I kind of like expect them to carry me on their shoulders because I had the coolest gloves. <laughs> and then they, you know, they every time they just totally no sell them and smack me in the face with ice. <laughs> But it was fun. I know they, they made a comeback a couple years ago. Yeah, they're ago. actually on sale now. Anyone who wants them, you can get them at getfreezy.com. Same mm -hmm. designs as the 80s, and now they're in adult sizes. Yeah, it's, and that's amazing. When I saw them coming back, that's great. But here's my major thing with that. 
is that nobody that I knew back then, and this was like one of those things that you read where people thought there was a movie with Sinbad where he played a genie, but it didn't actually happen. Right, right. But everybody believes that it happened. Yeah. We all called them freaky freezies. Yes, we did. Yes, we yeah. did. Why did we fucking do that? But, and then when they came back, I'm like, why does it say freezy freakies? I don't remember that. But it totally was that. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally was. We were just all dyslexic or something. Yeah, because I, I remember in the early days of Google, like trying to yeah. find these gloves, and I'd always be putting in the, the gloves yes, name wrong. And this is exactly. before they kind of corrected you if you came close. Yeah. So I could never find them. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember we got a pair of Kids R Us, which doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, God. Kids R Us. Yeah, I, ugh, they used to be torture because you'd be like right next to Toys R Us, but you would just be getting clothes. I actually didn't mind going to Kids R Us because they at least made it sort of fun to go shopping for clothes, which I hated because they would have like those weird fun house mirrors and like tunnels to go through and stuff yeah, like that. I guess so. I mean, but once you were like not three, you couldn't yeah. really enjoy them. That's yeah, true. I used to still go through the tunnels and stuff. You, hell, you still would do it now. Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah I was like eight. I was Instagram, still hashtag. <laughs> hashtag, I don't give yeah. AF. <laughs> oh, freaky, freezy. Freaky, freezy, freakies. Yeah, freaking freezy, freakies. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, they're changing again. Freezy, freakies. This one Breezy Freakies, available at Macy's, Neiman Marcus, Denby's, Sejan. Number seven. When I bite into a York peppermint patty, I get the sensation of cold, crisp mountain air against my face as I race towards liftoff in the whole world championship ski jump. York peppermint patty. Get the sensation of York's dark, rich chocolate covering a cool, crisp mint center. And the crowd roars as he executes... So my next wintry memory is the York Peppermint Patty commercial uh, from the 80s. And this is kind of like a catch-all, though, Matt, because the York Peppermint Patty commercials all kind of have the same vibe to them. Right. Uh, York Peppermint Patty was almost like an adult-oriented candy when you were a kid. It was not something you would normally go for. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of my friends thought they were, like, horrid like they really just didn't even want to go near them or ever have them at all so right you know, next to the snickers and the yeah it was never like a big candy to kids but i always felt like it was very refined and and, and like exciting you know so i would always grab for one but what made them attractive to me was that they made them extra large so there were these like giant silver medallions I don't know if you remember these. Yeah, they, they would be individually packed, and then you would take it out, look like a big brown hockey puck, and you'd be <laughs> the size of your hand. Yeah. <laughs> they were like giant doubloons, you know? Yeah, and I could kind of see how you can get a fancy vibe from them, like a refined vibe, because they did kind of feel like you should eat them with a knife and fork. Yes, yes. <laughs> so cool and refreshing. <laughs> yeah, like you should be having them with a Perrier or something. <laughs> <laughs> So they always marketed them as if they literally gave you a sensation that you were like shivering or cold or, or you know, any chocolate candy that could give you that feeling like is a great gimmick. So in this specific commercial, this guy is pretending he's like on his coffee table and like skiing on a mountain. He is you know? so motivated by that chocolate candy <laughs> that he leaps onto his coffee table. And it was funny because, you know, you did tell me that you were going to bring this up and I'm watching yeah. this commercial and I'm like, this is something that I could absolutely 100% with positivity say that you have done yourself a hundred thousand times. 
Like, there's no way you didn't grow up doing that fucking bullshit coffee table jump every time you ate a peppermint patty or literally anything. My sister and I used to see it. I would always jump on top of the table. I'm not kidding. Because I think other people must have done it, too. But there was one commercial that, like, I was going back watching the even older ones. And there was, like, a couple out in the snow taking their penguin for a walk. And they had these, like, giant winter coats on. And, you know, other times, like, an old man on his recliner felt like he was on a luge racing right. through ice. It was, they, they sold the candies, like, for the people who didn't ever do anything active. It, you felt like you were exercising by eating it. <laughs> yeah, like, so this guy we were bringing up, he was doing a, a world championship ski jump off of his coffee table. So yeah. not only did it make you feel like you were eating something, like, expensive, wrapped in silver foil but yep. also the fact that you could do championship ski jumps and i've never even gone skiing before <laughs> yeah that was probably the closest you've ever come yeah it totally was and I love, and like I... in the commercial how i could totally see you as a kid because in the commercial the guy leans forward almost to an unnatural angle I, yes, so there must did. be some special effect in because there's no way a normal guy of his totally... age and build could have done that I so, always felt like they had like fishing wire like hanging him. Or yeah, something. yeah. We need the HD version to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> but I could totally picture you as a kid trying to mimic that and just falling face first into the carpet every time. Get the York <laughs> sensation. Number eight. remember that old nintendo game slalom you know actually i don't even remember it but when you brought it up and i looked it up i'm like okay yeah i kind of vaguely remember it. i never played it though yeah it came out yeah. in 1987 and i did have that game and mm -hmm. as, as you might guess i did not specifically request slalom <laughs> i didn't th i don't think anybody did <laughs> yeah absolutely nobody in history has requested slalom um it was a skiing game so picture yeah. like a pole position or a rad racer but instead of a car you're just like this little dude on skis yeah you're dodging trees and snowmen yeah i was definitely thinking it was almost like a, a skiing version of pole position yeah it totally was and the game from what i'm reading was not regarded very well but i had fun with that i thought it was okay yeah but it did have a few issues mm -hmm. and the first was the name like, I get that slalom is a ski term, but even now I don't know what it means. And as a kid, I couldn't even pronounce it. It'd be like salam. Salalom. Like it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. It sounds like an Italian trying to get through a bar mitzvah. <laughs> it sounds like it's like Yiddish. Yeah, like uh, salom. Uh, you you have game titles like Super Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda, and then there's slalom. Like, you're not gonna <laughs> pick that if you're at Toys R Us. Yeah, it, it doesn't sell on the name only, uh, yeah. the title. You yes, know? and but, it was important because, like, it's not like we had a, just an open library to see what these Nintendo games were like. A title meant a lot. I think it filled the void of uh, skiing and weaving through different obstacles. You yeah, know, it definitely cornered the market on skiing and weaving <laughs> through different obstacles. <laughs> but there was another issue with Slalom. What was that? And it, it's that thing. For, well, obviously, the game didn't have very intense graphics. We're going back to the earliest Nintendo games. Yeah. The track that you would be skiing on was pure white. Most of the uh, background was just solid gray. Mm -hmm. The only serious detail in any of the graphics was placed directly on the ass of your skiing avatar. 
Like <laughs> the entire game, literally the whole game, you'd be staring at this perfectly rendered eight bit ass. Because they're bent over, right? Yeah, it's like you're this ass is in your face the entire fucking game. Like, and it's it made it impossible to take seriously because when you're a little kid, you put on the game and you be with your friends, and what are you gonna do? You're gonna goof on this giant orange ass on the screen. I watched some of the demo videos, and it, that didn't even dawn on me. Oh man, you gotta you really have to look this up later because like it, it's like it's the most impressive graphic on in any Nintendo game, and it just happens to be a skier's ass in the middle of this horrible slalom game. <laughs> that is great man i mean i was watching it and i'm like all the reviewers say that it was like a very difficult game though well and it, it was it was one of those games where each level was a different track yeah. and do you remember that scene in Wee's big adventure where the, the road signs keep getting progressively more ridiculous <laughs> yes so by track five or six there was literally no way for any normal human being, no matter how good they were at video games, to beat that track. I'm watching his ass now. It's in my face. Yeah, right. it's like, it, but you have to remember, like, there's nothing else in the game except for that ass. You would look away from the television when you were done playing, and it would take a minute for that ass not to be superimposed on anything you looked at. Now that I'm watching it, it is the most distracting thing because, like, the mountains are beautiful and purple, but yet you can't stop. You got this ass in your face, right? The whole and time. it's not just like you know. I say ass, you say okay, the guy's bent over. I'm like, no, it's it's like you're giving him an exam kind of spread. Yeah, yeah it's like the proctology game. Salam, Jay. Salami. Salami. <laughs> Number nine. You need a teacher! I could show you the ways of the Force! Okay, my next wintry memory is more recently, and it is the Force Awakens lightsaber duel. Ooh. Yeah, one of the biggest moments for me in the Star Wars universe was the moment when that lightsaber flew into the hands of Rey. Spoiler alert. When she's fi fighting Kylo Ren. <laughs> great moment, and, great scene. Yeah. The set is so perfect. It's so like wintry and fantasy-like. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. It really was. And there was like a huge crowd pop. Like anybody you talk to, everybody was saying, oh man, that moment, everybody was clapping and stuff. So it was just really fun. Even though we Star Wars fans associate snow with Hoth in Empire Strikes Back, this one is just a little bit different because it, it's become a like a legendary moment in on its own right. So we saw this movie together, and mm -hmm. I just have yeah. to point out that you were crushing on Ray the whole time. Oh yeah! But this was the moment that you totally fell in love with her. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I remember I, I everyone kind of leaned forward when that lightsaber flew into her hand, but you were doing like the Roger Rabbit pop out eyes. <laughs> I was. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, I was like, I, I was getting a little verklempt, too. Yeah, I'll, and you wouldn't stop. We left the theater, and you're like, that Ray, man, I'm so glad I bought that full-size cardboard cutout of her. I know. <laughs> Which, by the way, people, isn't even a joke. It's not a joke. She's standing uh, about five feet away. Yeah. <laughs> then the red and blues of the lightsabers in the dark with the snow everywhere made for this, like, amazing cinematic experience. It was right. like... Yeah, it was total eye candy for the Star Wars geeks, you know? And plus, it was like such a, it was like a callback to so much from the original movies, but mm -hmm. in a cool way that didn't just feel like an on-the-nose reference. Yeah, 
It, it would totally. And I think like what you were saying before about in the Sopranos uh, segment, that snow, it, it really lends itself to the drama. There's something about seeing violence in a place that's so serene. Yeah. And then like Kylo's blood was dripping in the snow and then the the red, uh, you know, his red lightsaber was jamming into the snow and like there was steam coming up. Yeah, it, it was just, perfect. Wow. It's great. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite. Uh, when I think of Colt, we talked about our topic today. That's one of the first things that came up. Yeah. Well, your, your mind always darts to how, how can they work Ray into this? Conversation? <laughs> that's totally how are it. going to do it. Yes. <laughs> oh, Ray. Number 10. It seemed like I was born with a cold. Always sneezing. <laughs> Always sniffling. Uh-huh. Even congested. But those weren't just colds. They were allergy attacks. So I got Clotrimeton. Clotrimeton's made just for allergies. So don't treat your allergy like it's just a common cold. Take Clotrimeton. So there I was, walking to school in the second grade. I had on my puffy coat, my scarf, my hat, all that shit. Yeah. And I get into class and I start taking off all of these winter clothes and I'm wrapping myself like a mummy. <laughs> Finally, I take the scarf off my face and my classmates look at me with a mix of shock and horror and disgust. Uh-oh. Like, much more shock and horror than usual. Oh, they God. are gasping and they are pointing. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Teacher grabs me by the shoulders. She tells me to go to the nurse right now. And oh, I'm like, uh, okay, I'll go to the nurse right now. I have no idea what's going on. I get into the nurse's office, and the nurse, no doubt remembering all of her years of training, screams out, What the hell is that? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. what happened? I had the worst case of hives that anyone has ever seen. Oh my god. And on that day, I learned that I had an extreme allergy to the cold, mm -hmm. or very specifically, like, a, a very rapid change in temperature. So oh. for, it just started out of nowhere, and for the next two years, whenever I left the warm indoors for the cold outdoors... Yeah, I'd break out in the most hideous hives imaginable. Oh, now, wow. I mean, I say hives, and you're just picturing, like, blotchy red bumps. Right. But for me, no, it was like my entire face turned into silly putty. Like, I look like Toxic Waste <laughs> Guy from RoboCop. And it was, I mean, it was really, really, really bad. Oh, my God. And, oh, God, it was horrible. So, I mean, picture it. You're a little kid, and all your classmates are like looking at you like you're a monster. Oh, man. So, whenever it happened, and it happened pretty much every winter... All uh -huh. I could do was wait it out. I would have to go to the school nurse when I got to school and just sit there for the first half hour waiting for my hives to go away. Oh, that and sucks. It, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to sit in front of the class looking like prune face, you know, so I just <laughs> sit there and I'd keep checking the mirror waiting for them to go down. But at least you got out of class for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was horrible, though, because I mean, ugh, it, it was so bad that you really were afraid of people seeing you. Yeah. But I still think there was, like, something so uniquely 1980s about a kid having this affliction <laughs> and everyone from his parents to his teachers to his doctors saying, oh, you just wait it out. <laughs> like, nobody did any, no medication, no, let's look into this further. Just, no, nah, you know what? They go away on their own. Just deal with it. <laughs> That's the moment where it becomes a movie. And at that moment, you're like, well, if I can keep myself in this constant state of having these atrocious things on my face, I will become a full-time monster and kill everyone, you know? Yeah, I felt, it was like Dark Banner. It was like reverse yeah. Cinderella. <laughs> I did break out in hives one time because um, <laughs> this is this is definitely something I would do. Uh, I, I had a cup on my table that was like 
probably a week old and it had old milk in it and i accidentally drank from that cup (laughs) and i i had giant welts all over me and they were very itchy so they they brought me to the emergency room because they thought i was like poisoned or something and they jabbed a needle in my ass and like they all went away in like two seconds (laughs) oh my god that's somehow even worse than my story (laughs) but i didn't have to go to school if you're telling me the treatment is a needle to the ass i I guess i'm glad that nobody looked into my affliction Isn't it great how, like you were saying, like that's how we used to get treated? Like, I'll oh, just wait it out; it'll be fine. Like nowadays, you'll be like they'll put you like in an incubator. And, yeah, there's like, absolutely. No, if this happened to a kid now, like believe me, they would be <laughs> at 14 specialists within two hours. Yeah, fucking hazmat will be over there. Yeah, but like the just imagine it—you have an untreated, <laughs> obvious fucking issue with a kid, and you're like, the, the solution is, well, he's embarrassed by the way he looks, so let him sit in the nurse's office until it goes away. <laughs> Like, that was the the prescription for my sickness. Unbelievable. (laughs) Number 11. My last wintry entry, it's a song called Hazy Shade of Winter by The Bangles. I love that song. It's originally done by Simon and Garfunkel. They wrote the song and they recorded it. But what happened was in the 80s for a movie called Less Than Zero, The Bangles decided to re-record it because it was a song that they used to play in concert a lot. Right. It's a song about how the seasons change and there's, you know, the gloominess of winter and how if you're unsure of things in your life and you have no hope, then the season's going to change and maybe it'll bring... Oh my God, that's what the song's about? Yeah. I was going to ask you because like on a line by line basis, it sounds like it's something you would learn the vocabulary through like it sounded like it was like a cnc for the disaffected the grass is high leaves are brown and the only way i could take it is that like the seasonal change and it'll get better when the springtime comes i'm like i don't really even know it's just the way i see it you know but, but the truth is with all these like 80s new wave songs the lyrics didn't really matter as long as yeah. you know it sounded cool and it looked electronic-y and yeah it didn't really matter what they were saying. Yeah. It sounded it, it sounds good. So so like yeah, the Bengals covered it. It took on like a whole new sheen to it. And it was produced by Rick Rubin, who's like completely legendary. And yep. uh but this is like so much more of a rockin' version and it, what's interesting about this Bangles song is that each of the band members sing on it, which most of the songs, like, only one of the girls would, would sing on it. Right. Uh, so, and it has, like, little callbacks to the folksy kind of vibe, but for the most part, it's just a hard-rocking song. Uh, and in the video, you the, the girls are performing the song, and in the background, there's these TV screens with clips from Less Than Zero. So they keep cutting back and forth from the movie clips, and Lesson Zero was a movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Jamie Gertz, right? Yeah, so from the Lost for Boys. me, it was like, yeah, watching that video. So it's like Susanna Hoffs and Jamie Gertz in the same video. Yep. Oh, man, that's so Jay. Jump, <laughs> but you jumped on that coffee table again. <laughs> yeah, air guitaring and headbanging to it. <laughs> so when I hear the word winter, it makes me think of this song. I love that it's like one of the few winter songs that definitely does not have a place on a Christmassy playlist. Right. So it's totally like the one you listen to in January and February. 
Yeah. That yeah, is absolutely. if you can actually hear the word winter, which to be honest with you is not something I realized until I was like 27. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I just, I'm just horrible with song lyrics. I can't understand them. I can't decipher them. I don't know. And it just sort of hum along. <laughs> <laughs> Number 12. So on one of our previous shows, I talked about the Dungeon of Doom from World Championship Wrestling. Yes. So for, <laughs> for those who don't recall, the Dungeon of Doom was a stable of monster-themed wrestlers who are all completely obsessed with destroying Hulkamania. I think there's been multiple times that you've brought up Dungeon of Doom. Listen, I think you it's... have Ray, I have Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> I know, I think you have a, a Dungeon of Doom fetish. Yeah, I do. The thing about pro wrestling is that sometimes they start implementing ideas without any idea of how they were going to actually execute them. Uh -huh. So in this particular case that I want to bring up, WCW really messed up. Okay. Dungeon of Doom started carrying around this giant block of ice, uh -huh. with the implication being that there was going to be a new wrestler hiding inside that block of ice. <laughs> and Jay, there was a new wrestler <laughs> hiding in that ice. Yes, there was. He was the Yeti. <laughs> Now, I say, Yeti, you're picturing something like you mentioned from Expedition Everest, like a sort of snowy Bigfoot. Right. They apparently could not figure out how to dress a wrestler as an albino gorilla. <laughs> so instead, they sent the guy out after the block of ice cracked open in a giant mummy costume. Yes, he was in a mummy costume. <laughs> yeah, like it's like he's 100% mummy. Oh, totally. He's he's covered in dirty shrouds. Yeah, he's got like dirty gauze on, and it's like you would never ever mistake this character for a Yeti. Why they decided they had to call him that, I have no idea. So he's a pro wrestler. Keep in mind, this this is an active profession. Yeah, but he's a giant man covered in fucking toilet paper, so he can't do anything. Yeah, it's like falling off him as he's walking to the ring. Yeah. The one time we see the Yeti really put any kind of like work into a move, yeah. it's a bear hug, <laughs> and he's applying it to Hulk Hogan. Uh huh. So the guy playing the Yeti makes the unfortunate decision to start gyrating, and it's like he's trying to make it look like he's applying pressure. Uh -huh. But what it really looks like is that he's dry humping Hulk Hogan. Oh God! You've seen this, right? I actually don't know if I see it. I gotta, oh, you I gotta, have to. You I gotta have pull this to. Up. I gotta pull this up, definitely. So, Yeti versus Hulk Hogan? Uh, Yeti, Hulk Hogan. Okay. <laughs> okay, I got it. <laughs> he is, like, you watch that, you tell me that he's not... Rubbing one out on Hulk Hogan, and he just he, yeah he walks around with his arms out. Yeah, he's got he's got no but he's like the fucking little brother from Christmas Story. Oh my god, he can't put his arms down. He's, he's doing it. He, yeah, he's like yeah he looks like he's he's just moving around. He's like humping them. Yeah, he's humping yeah. This guy. Yeah. So it's so weird. It it was weird, and I guess the powers that be at WCW realized it was weird because the next time we saw the Yeti. They had him in a generic ninja costume. 
<laughs> like nothing like this. And they just say, like, Bobby Heenan says, oh, he thawed out. And that's the explanation. Oh, my so God. So now you have a man who was supposed to be a Yeti, but came in as a mummy, and now is a ninja, but is still called Yeti. The Yeti, Yeti almost warrior. a... Uh, what? Almost a, uh, a, Look, a Japanese kind of a ninja outfit. Look at the size here. And he had, like, a mask, and he didn't have, like, a face. Yeah, he had, like, just a generic 1980s ninja costume. Yeah, He yeah. looked like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. I'm like, and they're yeah. still calling him Yeti. Just a complete misfire on every front, but what is not to love about this complete insanity? He's even walking around like he's a mummy, though. It's almost like they're telling him, like, you're a Yeti, but you're a mummy, too. So, here's, here's your motivation. Yeah, he has, like, his arms out all the time, like, in front of him, like he's a mummy. But look at the outfit. What else, What choice did the guy have? Like, there is no mobility whatsoever. It's a miracle he could get to the ring. This isn't a mummy costume where you have fabric on you that's made to look like bandages. It's actually bandages. And they're just wrapped around him loosely. They should have just called him the Yummy, the, because then it would have been like the, the Yeti Yummy. Mummy. Yeah, the, oh, love it. yeah, we just need to paint him. <laughs> For me, WCW was at its best when it was at its most ridiculous, and the idea of a wrestling Yeti who turned into a wrestling mummy who turned into a wrestling ninja, I don't know how I cannot adore that. It's like he's doing the gyrations of the honky-tonk man, but in this costume. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like picture, picture the honky-tonk man, but double the size and dressed like a mummy. <laughs> So, he's my second favorite character from the Dungeon of Doom. My first yeah. is, of course, the Zodiac. Of course. I mentioned that on the previous show. is a weird dude dressed like an undead zebra. And Jay, for those who did not listen to episode 33 of the Purple Stuff podcast, can you remind them who played the Zodiac? Brutus the Barber Beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> Speak that one in there. It's been a while. It's been a long time. Yeah. Good to have Brutus back. Yes. You know, I've noticed that Brutus has been popping up on Twitter a lot more lately. Yeah, he, I think he's, he's mounting himself here for a comeback. He's, he's, he's been trending a lot more lately since we've been bringing him up. So I think he's ready. He's ready to take the title. <laughs> yeah, the title of his neighborhood. Maybe yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But Bobby Heenan used to say, the champion of what? Champion of the neighborhood. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brutus. Well, this has been our show of wintry snow days. It sure has. A lot of cool, interesting things that we've brought up. Yeah, it's definitely a show that's an island unto itself. None of these topics had a chance of appearing on any other episode. But it, it, it's something that uh, if you have a snow day coming up, you know, the listeners, if you have a snow day, you could enjoy this one and think of all the snowy memories that you've had. Yeah, you know? I, I got to say, like going through our memories of our old snowy adventures, I think I actually enjoy them more now than I did as a kid. Just really? The, just the absolute hands on the fucking table excuse to be a complete lazy asshole <laughs> yes. like i'm gonna do it anyway but it's nice to have the blessing of god back then yeah you didn't ever feel guilty sitting around doing nothing it's like you didn't really have a choice yeah you know? now it's like summer's my least favorite season because i look out the window i'm like you know i should probably be out there but no <laughs> nah, let's, let's not do that 
Well, this is the funny thing is that we'd be kids and we would have a day off from school, but yet my parents both had to go to work still. You know? <laughs> see ya. <laughs> yeah, see ya. We're going to sit and watch cartoons all day. Since you're going to be out, bring back pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So let's time, do our time thing. Time to do the thing. Do our thing. All right. Yep. Let me see what you have. Hazy Shade of Winter, Kylo Ren, York, Peppermint Patty, G.I. Joe, The Pine yeah. Barrens episode of The Sopranos, and The Yeti from Disney World. Yeah. That is an eclectic mix. Yeah. I am going to pick. I, I don't know what you're going to I pick. think I'm going to have to go with the Frostbite from G.I. Joe story. G.I. Joe! Cobra's on the run! G.I. Joe, Snowcat, other Joe and Cobra figures and equipment sold separately from Hasbro. We didn't touch on this earlier, but that is one of the most ridiculous G.I. Joe figures. Frostbite. It's like, yeah. he's so happy. He is very happy. And it's like, hey guys, I'm stuck in the snow trading bullets with terrorists, but my beard looks good, so whatever. <laughs> so I have a shit-eating grin on my face. Yeah, and plus, like, I totally relate to the story of just, like, winging it with your toys and hoping it all works out, and then you're being devastated. When yeah. what you knew was going to happen, happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, deep like, down, I'm sure you realized when you went inside that you probably should have put in the extra minute to bring in the toy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, like, it was so unlike me to do that. Yeah, I it really was. Like, you still yeah. have probably the box for this toy in your apartment <laughs> now. Well, speaking of G.I. Joe's, like, when you're kids, most of my friends would, they would not hesitate to put... Their G.I. Joe's like in the mud or out in their yard. I'm like, yeah. I would never do that. Like my G.I. Joe's barely move their arms and legs because I never moved them. <laughs> Literally every G.I. Joe figure I've ever had got separated at the waist. And then I just make them these like floating wraiths. <laughs> They're just like torsos. Yeah. Then I make them like little ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So now for your list, it's, which is definitely interesting. You had Freezy Freakies. I did. Had. The slalom. Slalom. Yeah, the, the sheet of ice on the pool that yeah. you fell into. Dungeon of Doom. And, of course, my story about the hives, which we don't, I think went over really well. <laughs> the hives. And was there... Am I missing one? Um, I, I don't know. I think that was it. <laughs> that was it? I think there was one more. We had Wampa, Pool Ice... The Wampa, 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 That's a tough one. I... For me right now, it's between... It's kind of the... like picking which way you want to die. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's between the Freezy Freakies and the Wampa. But I think I'm going to go with the Freezy Freakies. Oh, no! They're changing again! Freezy Freakies by Swanee. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. some, that makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I should have mentioned earlier that I think Freezy Freakies were largely an East Coast entity, so... Oh, is that true? I, I, it might be. So I, I do apologize to the 98% of you who've never heard of these gloves. But now they're going to go and buy them because they're badass. <laughs> they totally are. I don't care if you're in fucking Arizona. Figure out a way. Yeah. You need these gloves. Yeah, if you're in Arizona, just go into like a meat locker. And yeah, use... wait till yeah. you're on one of those cruises with the vodka chamber. <laughs> yeah, go to the below zero bar in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, <man. laughs> Well, so this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. Episode 37. I'm Jay from the Sexy Armpit. And I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Purple, Purple Stuff Podcast.
Mert például, mit szabad a valós? 